don't you know that the music should be solemn? This is Theo Rossi. This is Kim Coates. And this is Theory. Well, well, well. This is going to look a little different today. If you're seeing it, and if you're hearing it, you might even hear a little different. Might hear, you might hear different. Um, our, uh, or my, or our, brother-in-arms, our, our friend of friends, Kim F. Coates, is down with uh, root canal issues. From what I can gather um, in our conversations and these pictures are worse than I could think of. Um, apparently, just some issue with root canal, which has led to a multitude of other issues. So um, there will be no speaking from him this week. And as you know, and as we go, the show must go on. So um, I thought this was a good time to, uh, you know, I try to see the benefit in all this. And I can't wait to get, uh, to get back to wherever we were. I let him handle the uh, paperwork of what episode it is. I don't even know. Somewhere in season seven, but we'll get back to that. Um, but I thought this was a good opportunity to kind of maybe um, do a little story time. A little story time, right? Why not? So if you're watching it, you're going to be watching this guy the whole time. No cuts to 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 Kim F. Coates and wherever he uh, he might be at the moment. Um, and to his multitude of characters that he likes to bring to the show from horrible Helga to uh, who else does he have? He's got Harry. He's got a bunch of different dialects. We're just going to keep it in, in the line of story in regards to um, where we are with Reaper reviews and kind of with this whole thing. Full disclosure, the psilocybin might be hitting quite hard at this moment, but that's good. That's a good thing for everybody. Um, so I'll tell you something that happened yesterday that was really, uh, I thought it was interesting. Okay, so I was going to go out yesterday. I'm, I'm doing this, uh, uh, it was Mother's Day. We did this big thing with the kids and Meg, and it was just an incredible day. And um, I had this moment where we got back and I was like, oh, I'm, I've been working on uh, this hiking trail, like on this ranch run that I'm doing. So I was like, I took my moment where I'm going to, you know, pop in the, the headphones and I'm going to get out there and I'm going to do it. Oh, or continue doing it. I've been doing it for a very long time. And when I went out, there was a bunch of deer eating. And it's these, usually part of that uh, group is this mom and two babies that's always here. And I never want to disturb them, even though they're super cool with me. You know, the way it is, the closer you get. So I just kind of sat back for a moment and just watched. I was just watching them. And like, you know, I got caught up in the whole thing of just, watching them be, which I thought was amazing, right? Took the headphones out. Didn't have anything going on. Uh, I just wanted to be like, just watching them. And and it was just amazing, right? I'm just watching this whole group and they're just, you know, kind of grazing and eating and doing their thing and always checking their surroundings or whatever. And then once they were kind of on their way a little 
Um, I went back inside. I was like, hey, you know what? It's late. I'm good. So about an hour later, you know, I got caught up with something with the kids and all that. About an hour later, I went outside with Juno. And, you know, she's always with me. But at that, the prior one, she wasn't. But at this one, uh, she was coming with me. She's like, you're not going out again alone. And she darted kind of right to this area, right in front of the house. And um, I guess within that hour, one of those deer, young buck, had died. And while this seems incredibly depressing, it was really interesting, right? Um, it was just an interesting switch of the mind of like, wow, okay, there was that moment. Now there's this moment, right? So I kind of sat with that the same way I sat with them kind of grazing and doing their thing. And, and, uh, and then I sat with that moment of the young buck there kind of right near our house. Right. You know, right in the front part. And I was like, all right, I'm going to sit with this for a second. So I kind of took it all in, you know, got Juno with me. She was super cool after a minute, you know, she just kind of sat next to me and she was just observing as well. But then I had to call Meg. Now, part of our mother's day, thing, this is where the story just gets completely ridiculous. Part of mother's day thing is I was with the kids, you know, the whole time. Uh, she's doing her thing. We went to this big brunch. We had this incredible day. And then I'm like, hey, do your thing. I bought her a bottle of rosé. I'm like, just go. She's watching Ozark, kind of just having her thing, doing her thing. So I was like, hey, I don't want to disturb you. But uh, I know the kids are watching Sing too. But we got it. We got a, a deer has passed kind of right in front of the house. So we're going to have to move this. Because the vultures, you know, they're going to come. And um and the smells uh pretty crazy. Uh it's happened some other times on but really on back parts of the of the ranch, never like right there. So here comes Megan, three quarters, 82% of a rose bottle in. And I had to hand her a shovel and uh and I had to take the wheelbarrow and uh wheelbarrow or wheelbarrow? I don't know. Irrelevant. Um, and we had to load, load it in, load them in and, uh, not pleasant by the way, not pleasant for Meg, definitely not pleasant for anyone. Um, because, the the cycle of life, which I, you know, know so well is, you know, uh, not pleasant at the end, <clears throat> love smells and things that happen and all that. So had to go put him uh, in the back half of uh, uh, a ways away, you know, so the kids and Juno especially <clears throat> and the vultures and kind of all that. Um, and then we did our little thing with him and all that. But I can tell you, Meg is a trooper. She was roseate up. She had her mask on uh, and she had the shovel and it was uh, – it was a, it was an interesting moment. Why I lead with that, no one will ever know. But it's a good segue into with Kim's uh, uh, root canal issues and my everyday ranch experience as a kid who grew up in New York City. It's really what a wild life! What a wild life! Um, 
I think it's so interesting. We're here in this, you know, getting towards the end of Reaper and this whole thing when it started and, and kind of um, what it meant to a lot of people, what it meant to us, what it meant to me. And I think that I've touched upon many, many times what the show has meant to me, but maybe not at length, like when we have guests on and stuff like that. So I thought I'd take a moment to kind of get into that for a second. Um, Sons, I've talked about a lot, was the beginning, the end, the middle, all of it for me, because um, we all know, right? It's how I met my wife, uh, why I have my kids. It's why I live in Austin. It's, um, It's provided every job after it. I'm positive. If not, it's had a direct link towards it, right? Um, but coming about it was not as easy. I know I've touched upon it, but, um, when I was super young, you know, my, uh, my birth father wasn't around. Right. So I, uh, when I was 14, I met my uncle, my mom's, uh, brother. And I met him at, uh, I met him when my, my Nana, my grandmother, as some would say, had passed away. And we were in, uh, she was actually in Florida at the time when she passed away, which was really odd because she lived with us, but she was there visiting uh, my mom's sister. So when she passed, I met my uncle. I think I was like 13 or 14. I'm not exactly sure. But I had met uh, him and he was living, he lived in Northern California. He moved there when he was like 21 or something. And he had... Uh, he decided that him and his family were going to, you know, take their trailer. They lived in a, a trailer park in Northern Cali and that they were going to move to New York. And a big part of that was to be near me, to be near family, to kind of be part of the whole thing. And he had one of the craziest lives. He was like, you know, he was like the real life big fish. Like, you know, he would tell you stories and you're like, whoa, is this even true? This is wild. And it's because at 21, he had left New York City and here he is, you know, close to 50 something. And he had just lived this wild life. And a big part or one part of that wild life was he was a biker, He, you know, loved to ride and uh, loved it, loved everything about it. He played music. He was in a rockabilly band and, you know, was in prison, worked at prison, you know, but just was this guy that everyone absolutely loved. That's a whole nother show. But the point is, he used to talk about before he passed, um, which is, again, another story. He passed, you know, not long after. But for the 10 or 15 years that him and I had together, we were together every day. We spoke every day. You know, I called him pop. He called me son. You know, it was one of those things. But he had always talked about motorcycle clubs and, like, you know, his time with them. and. all this thing. So when he passed, it was like five years or four years before sons. And I think now that I look back, I was kind of still mourning it. I was really having a hard time without him in my life because he was in my life so much, like every day, all day, you know, close, easily the closest person to me, like him and Mona. Right. And when the sons thing came up, it was called forever Sam Crow. I was like, Oh, I'm supposed to do this show. Like there was something in me that was like, I'm supposed to be in this show. And they brought me in to read for Jax. Obviously, let's all take a moment and look at me and 
look at Jack's and realized that I was not right for that. So that audition process lasted about maybe 36 seconds. And they were like, oh, we're good. Thanks. But then they brought me back in for half sack. No, didn't work. Then they brought me back in for a character named Hawk, which is eventually Tig, right? That didn't work. And I had to face the music that I was not going to be in this show that I thought was destined for me. Because I did. I thought it was destined for me. I thought like everything in my life was telling me I was supposed to do this show. And weeks went by. Weeks. And my managers and agents at the time, who I'm no longer with, had all these other shows uh, that I was, I mean, this was at a point in my life where I was auditioning like six to eight times a week. I was uh, strictly a guest star actor. I would just come in on shows like Lost and Without a Trace and, you know, all these, I don't even know which ones I did, but all of them, Bones, whatever. And I would just be a hired gun, a bounty hunter, as I call it now. Like, yeah, if I read and I got it, I took it. There was no, like, I didn't choose roles. I took whatever was given to me. Whatever you wanted me to play, I had to play it. I was a utility player in baseball. And I did that for years. That's how I made a living between that and commercials for years and then other, you know, nefarious activity. But like, that's how I was going to do this. And I was pretty, I was pretty okay with thinking that was going to be my life. Like, you know, I'm not good enough to be at the top. I was thinking, but I'm, look how far I've come. Start as an extra, took a shot, never knew anyone in this game really just taking you know pulling a lottery ticket like the fact that i'm actually even making a living was more than enough and was i making enough to make a living i mean i was doing fine at you know definitely not wouldn't have worked in today's day and age but at the time i didn't have kids didn't have a family i was living in a studio apartment you know before that i was living with my five friends in a two-bedroom apartment so i was making it work and then, you know, when that Suns thing came around, Forever Sam Crow, there was just this thing, you know, hearing my uncle being like telling those stories and thinking like, this was leading here for some reason, but it wasn't meant to be. And then I've told this, you know, weeks later, I get a call from Wendy O'Brien, the casting director, who I'm so fortunate that I really do try my best to sustain my relationships with people. Like when I meet them, I want to make sure like we're cool and we're good. Like I, I don't, I don't take any relationship for granted ever. I never have. Um, it doesn't mean that I'm super close with anyone or everyone. It just means that um, we're good. I am who I say I am. They are who they say they are, hopefully. And we're cool and we're open. And I've always been like that in the business. So Wendy had cast me a bunch of times, uh, different projects. I think one, the one right before that was like uh, medical investigation or something like that. And then maybe there was this Chris Carter movie that never came out, but something, there was a couple of things. And she really believed in me probably more than I believed in myself at the time. And she called me up and said, you know, Kurt wanted to talk to me. And that's, you know, the story I've told a million times. He was like, listen, I, I just want you on the show. I like your vibe. I like talking to you. Wrote me a great letter on his. I still have it somewhere. But it was basically like, I don't know. I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know who you're going to be. I'm going to figure it out. 
but I want you in the club. And basically you're going to make no money and you're, but you're going to be in this thing. And I remember going back to my agency managers and I've told this story where they were like, no, not a chance. And I had nothing, but it wasn't going to make them money. And that's all they cared about. It's kind of, I mean, that's the business they're in. It's not their fault. You know, they make a percentage of what you make and there was no money in this. But I was trying to convince them that it was kind of destiny, like I needed to do it. And it was the first time in my life that I actually really listened to myself, where I said, doesn't matter what anyone says, I have to do this. I have to. Because there was, there was a, uh, I was listening to the universe. I was listening to like my, my own self, mainly whatever you want to call it, the universe, the Godhead, the, the, the inner voice, the whatever. There was something that had been telling me for years. And it wasn't like my uncle talked about like motorcycle clubs all the time. But when he talked about it, he was so passionate about it. And I don't even know, I, I don't even know if he was in one, but he used to work at this rockabilly bar. And then he used to be a prison guard at St. Quentin. And like, he just, it had left an indelible mark on him for some reason, the brotherhood of it or whatever. And, and you know, he would also tell me the negative stories of it and all that stuff. Um, and I said, fuck it. I'm not going to listen to anyone. I'm going to listen to myself. And if I, and if I die on my sword, I'm going to die on my sword. But I'm going to go out the way I want to go out. Because I knew what my life looked like. If I didn't take the chance, I was going to keep, I was good enough to definitely be a guest star and recurring, do a few pilots that hopefully got picked up, but I needed to listen to me, not these people who didn't, who only knew me after they didn't know me when I was like with my uncle, they didn't know me. They didn't know everything that it took to get me there. They might've heard me say it but they didn't know it. They were, they, they only knew a portion of the story. They only read one chapter in the book and the book was so far from finished. So I, of course that's, you know, I took it and uh, I, you know, we've heard these stories a million times. It changed everything in my life. Changed everything. It changed the way I, think about acting, it changed the way I think about life. It changed the way it shaped me into who I am now. There's still things that I remember learning from there, not just as an artist, but as a human being from other people on there. These are still my best friends, closest people to me. I'll be with Ron again next week. And, you know, obviously Kim and I's relationship is crazy. Um, it's one of the deepest, you know, friendships I've ever had. Um, and everyone else in one way or another, right? Chibs is the greatest. I love them all. Um, in one way or another, some of us, you know, we're closer at times and not as close at times. And then who knows, maybe we'll be close again, but we went through something and did something that that Reaper symbol is like, it's like the Batman symbol. Like it's everywhere. And it's what people lead with, even if they like other stuff that I've done or, you know, if I've made a mark in their life at all, it's like that moment, what they felt when they were in that show, like watching that show with their father, brother, mother, 
sister, friend, cat, dog, what they felt has changed them in a way and made them feel something that now in a time where we're so inundated by content and TV shows and all this stuff that I'm sure is just as good. There was just something different um, about that time. And the fact that I was able to be a part of that because I made that choice that I wasn't going to, that I was going to listen to myself. So part of my stories today, I think we'll label this thing story, not just with Kim and his root canal, Helga and his root canal, and Juno and our dear friend. Juno and our dear friend. Sounds like dear friend. Interesting. Um, But then the story of this, because I think that there's so much to this story. Obviously, we talk a lot about the behind the scenes stuff and how the show had changed and what had happened. But all that stuff is just par for the course, I think, now that I've been doing this long enough. Because everybody likes the shiny new thing. Um, And some things last forever and some things don't. And even after they're gone, they last forever. Sons is one of those things that will last forever. It will always be in the zeitgeist. It will always be in people's, you know, brains and in their heart. And um, I didn't know that when I was doing it. I knew we were doing something different. I knew that I felt different. I knew that it was big. At the end, I didn't know how big it was. Um, I was just holding on for dear life. Because again, when, you know, Kurt had offered me that role and said, I don't know if you're going to have one word or a hundred words or one line or a hundred lines or one episode or a hundred episodes. Thank God they were all the higher ones. Um, I had no expectations. I just wanted to be a part of it. So I was so grateful for every single moment of it. And, you know, at the end, I definitely started letting my my ego brain take hold, right? I wanted more. I wanted so hard to be like the, the you know, man, I could, I could do this. And I could do that. I was always so happy with what I had, like, especially after season four. But I wanted more. Like Kim says, it's like being on a team and you just want the ball thrown to you or you just want to get up to the plate. You want to be the one that shoots on goal. Like you just want more. And it's not, um, I don't think it's a bad thing. It just shows how much you care. It's like I always tell people, um, if I don't talk about it, I don't care about it. And if I don't care about it, that's worse, right? Um, You actually want me to talk about it. You want me to fight for it. You want me to be uh, passionate about it. Because if I'm not, it means I don't care. And if I don't care, what's the point, right? So I think that um, that show has changed everything. And the reason I say it's how I met my wife and all that, you know, we started doing those USO tours. I, you know, I listened to Henry Rollins because who wouldn't when he was like, hey, you need to go and go visit the bases. And I was like, wow, I don't know really anything about the military. I know my birth father was like in the army and like, burnt down something and got thrown out. So that was kind of something that made me tied me to it. I knew my step, my step grandfather was a fighter pilot because I'd always see the pictures in his house. 
but I didn't know anything about the military. I had never met anybody. I didn't know anything. But when Henry Rollins, who was doing the voice of like the, I think he was doing the voice in the Wounded Warrior program at the time was like, yeah, man, they love the show. It's like season two or whatever. We started going over to the bases and then eventually went to Iraq and Kuwait. And, you know, we're doing these long USO tours. That's how I met my wife. You know, she was working at the boot campaign at the time. And now we have our kids. Now we have this ranch. Now we have Juno who's sitting right there. And so again, like everybody, everything plays into these factors that happen in your life, these little turns you make. And they seem so insignificant at the time. Because I remember being in the makeup trailer when he told me, and I was like, I'm not, what? Going to a base. I'm not, what do I do? They just want to hang out with you. Okay. And then I was like, hey, who wants to go? Of course, everybody was like, yeah, I'll go. And then I was like, okay, we're, we're going to Iraq. They were like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. But then there were a few of us that did. You know, me, Unser, uh, Elvis, and, uh, and uh, obviously Tig. And then that started kind of like our thing as a group, this love affair. And again, that led to me meeting my wife because I had formed this other nonprofit when Sandy had hit New York. and. She came out to kind of help with it. But the reason I tell you all that is because it you just never know, right? I think as I get older, I kind of look back and I'm like, you never know. You never know. You don't know anything that's going to happen. But whatever, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot where whatever has missed me was supposed to miss me. Whatever came to me was supposed to come to me good, bad, right, wrong. And I've been going down, especially with the solitude of, of uh, which I just absolutely adore of being here on this ranch, just pure peace in every single way, just nature and peace. And just, you know, working in the land and getting this time between projects to get to try to put my head around it all a little more to not be so like moving forward at all times to kind of take a step back and go, which way do I, let me try this. Let me try that. And I'm so fortunate um, because remember I'm even in the position I'm in now, I'm always a bounty hunter. I'm not the guy on the poster and I mean that meta- metaphorically, like I'm not, I'm not that, you know, uh, everybody's offering me every, it just doesn't work like that in my, in my existence, in what I do for a living. So I'm a bounty hunter. I'm always figuring it out. I'm scrappy. I got to figure it out. Right. And I'm always doing things and we have all these different companies going and we're doing this. So to, because I know my, my other life is so, busy all the time, me trying to create, me writing, me, you know, directing my first thing and all these things and just trying to like, get it. Like I have been since I was, since I can remember, since I had my first job, since I was like eight or nine delivering newspapers and, you know, working in pork stores and stuff. It was like, I've always tried to get it. And this has 
having the piece here is reminding me to, to reflect on a lot of things. And that's why I think that Reaper Reviews and this theory thing have come at such a opportune time when it was like so needed for so many of us because we all went back into this reflective state as the world changed so dramatically. And um, it's interesting to see the community it's built and how happy it makes people. And um, I think that if you can just do that once or twice in your life, you've lived a pretty great life. You know, if you know that people can say like that person did something that genuinely made me happy, even if just for a moment, it's pretty great. Right. So whether it be through the art that you've expressed or whether it be through the actions of something you've created or whether it be through just being the person you are. Right. Um, And eventually everybody will catch up to what you're putting out there. They might not put it, they might not catch up right then and there. And that's okay. You got to keep doing it. You got to keep going. You know, I run seven days a week, even when I don't want to, even when I don't want to. Like I, there are times where I will have this full blown fight with myself to try to convince myself not to do it. I'm like, you don't need to go today. Then I'm like, yes, you do. Because that's, who you are. That's if you're going to shower, if you're going to eat, it's part of who you are. So you're either going to do it now at six in the morning, or you're going to do it tonight at three in the morning, but you're doing it. And that is my consistency to myself. Right. And all of that, all of that, Gina's just woke up from a nap. All of that came from that show came from this thing that brought us all together. All of it came from what that decision. And I've probably made so many that weren't as good as that decision, you know, that went the other way. But if I did, I don't know, because whatever missed me was supposed to miss me. And whatever has come to me was supposed to come to me. Um. It's hard to believe that all the time. It's hard to think like that. It's hard to uh, maintain that attitude when you see things going on. But I was just listening to, uh, man, I really am all over the place, right? I love that. I love that my mind is all over the place all the time. Um, I just think about so many different things. It's so bizarre. So one of the things I was listening to today was... um, while I was out there uh, uh, working with uh, a guy who was here, we were uh, putting up a new fence line was um, uh, how no one, one of the things I was listening to was like how no one, if you think about that, no one really cares. We always say who cares. Okay. Who cares is great. Cause that's kind of the title of this thing. And uh, it was the school of life channel that I love. And basically like who cares is, if you look at it like this, you think, we all think that all the things that we care about, whether it be we get a stain on a shirt, whether it be like, you know, uh, we're feeling overweight, we're feeling this, we're feeling less than, we're, we're feeling insecure, we're, we're um, 
something is going on with us. We think that everyone notices it. No one notices it. And here's what I mean by that. Think about what you notice. Most of us are just thinking about like, how are we going to pay the bills? How are we going to, how are we going to maybe hopefully create this life that we thought we wanted? Um, How are we going to be the best version of ourselves? How are we going to be, make the people happy in our lives? How are we going to try to basically to really succinct this? How are we going to get through the day? So when you're dealing with other people, you're not, usually you're not thinking like, oh, they have a different haircut or, oh, you might notice it, especially if you're an empath, but it's not like as you're not taking it all in the way you think people are taking things in of you. And this video does a way better job of discussing all this, but ultimately it's just saying like, instead use that as a good thing to take more chances to understand that not everybody is thinking of all these things that you're worried about. And that life is so short. It's over in a blink. Like I always say, like, just do it. No one cares. Just like go. And you're putting so much more pressure on yourself. And when I thought about this, the reason I bring it up is when I was listening to this video, it like took me back to that moment when I guess, cause I had nothing and I had nothing to lose. It was so easy for me to make that decision about sons where I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And they're like, you're not going to make any money. I mean, did you see what they were offering you? And I'm like, I don't care. They're like, you're going to need to get another job. And I was like, okay. Like if I had to go back to, you know, bus point and waiting tables, I was okay with it because I, I knew now I, I couldn't make that decision. I have all these other responsibilities in life. I have all these other things I couldn't, you know, and I probably wouldn't have listened to myself in the same way. And that's why you hope you have people around you who can kind of see all the different parts of it. But that video took me back to that moment because that moment changed everything. And it was because I was free of the ego brain. The lizard brain, as they call it, right? Just thinking about, well, what if this? What if that? And what if I lose those other shows they have? And what if this? Well, then I wouldn't be here talking to y'all. I wouldn't be having this conversation. There would be no Reaper reviews. There would be no theory. There would be no Theo. There would be nothing. It's funny how the sun keeps changing the light if you're watching this on video. Isn't this crazy? See if I just change this lighting. Like, if I do that, uh, it doesn't do anything. Okay. I thought that might mess with the light. It doesn't, it's the lighting outside. It's crazy here. Um, so, yeah, I was thinking about that when I saw that video and our choices and the things we do and what we learn from. Um, our buddy Kim's going to be good. How awesome is it when he comes back? We're going to talk about this Mayan stuff. Um, I'm so glad it's out there. I've known for a little while. And what I was so intrigued by, and I can't wait for y'all to hear it when we talk about it, was putting on the costume. 
like putting on the wristbands, people calling you, take. That's crazy. It's not just me, some you know, idiot your friends would call and they take when you call. We're talking like you're in character playing take again after eight years and he looks exactly the same. Mind is blown. Wild. And the fact that he's there doing that. And obviously he told me, you know, all about it, everything that happens and kind of all that stuff. But Wow. I was so blown away more like I didn't even care what happened. I was just like, what was it like going in the makeup trailer? What was it like, like walking into your trailer and seeing your wardrobe? He took his cut out of the frame that they gave them to us. And what? That is fucking wild. I was so much more intrigued by that, like the, the, the mental of it. What was that like? Because even though, you know, you do appearances and no matter how many movies you do and TV shows, like, you know, whatever it is, him and I, I think, have done hundreds since Suns ended. But to go back, I think it's different for him because Juice is dead. He's dead and he's staying dead. And I've put him to bed. I got nothing left with him. That's not the case with other characters I've played, like Shades and people like that. I still got conversations. Juice is dead. Tig was out there. Tig is in the wind. So he got to pull Tig in from the wind and and put that cut on. Man, I was so... Because I can imagine he would have so many unanswered questions. It's like, I think if I was able to revisit like somebody like, you know, shades or someone who's not gone. I mean, I die in 98% of the things I do. So if it was like ghosts or shades or somebody that I can like go back and pick up where they were, that's, that's a trip. No mushrooms required. That is a trip. So I love that um, he got to do that, and I can't wait for him to share it all. Hopefully he can speak. Um, Talking about hanging off a dear life. He just hangs off a dear life when we're recording this. (laughs) But he truly is the perfect, like, uh, partner for this because he just keeps it – he keeps the – the bowling alley bumpers up because who knows where I'll go, especially as we get deeper into season seven. Um, and that's it. I'm not sure anything that was just said. I uh, hold no responsibility towards any of it because uh, I've already forgotten it. And um, pretty wild. Pretty wild. I appreciate each and every one of you. I know people say that, but I mean it because um, this is a cool thing that was put together here. And however long it lasts, um, it was cool that when people listen to something, they feel something and they think something and it makes them happy or it doesn't. It makes them laugh, it makes them frustrated. It makes them 
whatever. So this was my retrospective uh, until we're back to the madness next week. So we will pick up. Um, I think we'll do an episode before Pearl comes on because I think we need to get back to that for a moment and then we'll drag Ronnie on. Um, But yeah. Hey, like I always say, this life is a fucking blink. It's a blink. Trying to enjoy it. And if you're not, um, lean into it. Don't don't uh, don't disregard if you're feeling bad about something or if you're uh, you're feeling some kind of way. Just approach it, deal with it, and then move it out of the way, and then get back to realizing that this life is blank. It's gonna be over before we know it. So fuck it. Who cares? Let's go. Who cares? Um, as I say to my man, Kim Frederick Coates, love you. Take it easy. All right? All right. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. You know the deal. Theory Pod, hashtag Theory Pod, capital T-H-E-O, small R-Y, capital P-O-D. If we're talking Reaper Reviews, it's the hashtag Reaper Reviews with the double R. Go everywhere where the where this podcast is available and go subscribe and follow Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeart, wherever. And uh, and then if you want to see the videos, go on to YouTube and subscribe to the page. We got some cool stuff coming. Um, like I always say, this life goes by in a blink. So stay up, stay awake, keep being the example, um, and let's keep making a difference. All right? All right. Hey, yo, shout out to my crew, the theory team, the team. Okay. Starting with my incredible editor, Caroline Kawash, to the incredible design skills of Cesar Arvello, to the other designer slash web slash everything, Justin Tordella. Go look them up. Go follow them. Go thank them. They're an incredible team, and I wouldn't be even remotely able to do a second of this without them. So shout out to the entire Theory team, uh, or as we say in New York, big up. Um, incredible people, incredible humans, and I'm fortunate and proud to have them.